But this brought me up to my idea of how badly we need to make Son-in-Law the sequel, Son-in-Law Part 2, Father-in-Law, where they have a kid. How good of a premise is that? Joe, you can't remake all the Pauly Shore movies. (laughs) But I want to. Welcome back, everybody, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if that's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about MASH. MASH went 256 episodes over 11 seasons on CBS. Today we're going to be talking about episode 1, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 17, 1972. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, Gordo, Nick, Berg, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Hello. 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 If you don't move, I'm going to have to cut around your bee cups. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) If you thought WKRP in Cincinnati had some weird sexual harassment in the workplace, get ready for MASH. 70s. We talk about a show that has both a subplot about how they're trying to help a little Korean kid get into college while at the same time calls their black friend and colleague a spear (laughs) chucker. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) This was wild. This, uh, this show certainly got lost in time, like, or stuck in time because you can't go, you can't, this would not make it today. Oh, none of this, none of this works, but there, uh, you know, there are some interesting things and some fun things to talk about. Jay, you just mentioned this one, 11 seasons. This went almost four times as long as the war the show is about, which is also pretty crazy. And And then Firefly doesn't get a full season. More than a full season, I mean. This went 250 episodes longer than Caveman got. Can you yeah, believe it? Uh, I can, yeah. I well, can. It deserves it more than Caveman. Did you know <laughs> that, oh yeah, Joe just said that, that is longer than the war. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was he already, he's like, I can't out, wait. Yeah. Starting off well, strong, Cordy. Here's the thing about that. The thing about that is, if you just take into account the amount of episodes versus how long the Korean War actually was, which was like, what, three years, I think they said? Three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just means that every episode spans about four and a half days. So it's not okay. a day per episode. So it's just almost a week per episode. Yeah. The only problem with that is, is that five years, you might look the same. 11 years, you look noticeably different. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So from the beginning of the show to the final season, I, I would like to kind of watch the final episode after we do the... Uh, this opens us up to Aftermash. And Walter, pardon me, W.A.L.T.E.R. There are so many spinoffs to this. Walter? Yeah, Walter was one from the mid-80s that was, uh, I think, Radar's show. You say opened up. Like, that's a good thing. Didn't even get past the pilot, that one, though, I don't think. Well, that's one pilot, so it's there for us. The only thing I could think of about, like, the overarching theme behind this show is how weird it would be to do it now. You know what I mean? Isn't it strange that there's a comedy based around just like soldiers getting shot and blown up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. This is a different type of show, though, because it it's a comedy, but it's also a drama too. Like, there's it, it, it loosely passes as a sitcom because it's not like a full sitcom. Yeah. So, fun fact about this show, though, as a kid, I didn't know if if it was a comedy or not, and now after seeing it as an adult, I don't know if it's a comedy or not <laughs> like 
I never got more than 10 minutes past the intro, and it's because the intro really sucked me my energy out. And it like it's such I, I know it's an iconic song, but like I, I, I can't stand it. It's so boring, and it makes the show feel boring to me. Well, starting a comedy with a song called Suicide is Painless really leads you down a road of I don't know where this is going. Yeah, yeah and they purposely <laughs> use the instrumental version of this because if you i remember i sang karaoke once with two of our friends and we ended the night on suicide is painless and we made the whole bar depressed oh get right out of town See, the they were all a big surprise there say <laughs> and if you want to go on to our first of what will probably be many tangents of this episode there will be a lot one of the most notable karaoke experiences i've ever seen was when we went on our road trip Ferg in Philly decides that he wants to get up and do the Humpty Dance, which I was unaware that at 21 years old at the time, he knew every word to that song without the aid of the of the screen. And you would have thought it was like one of those movies like uh, Euro Trip or Road Trip, like kind of one of those ensemble movies where everybody in the bar like got up and started dancing like while Ferg is rapping the Humpty Dance to everybody. It you is know what's funny? So surreal. I don't even kind of remember that. You don't remember that? that? Not at all. Even a little bit do I remember that. Well, if you're in a bar where everyone was drunk enough to dance with Ferg to the Humpty Dance, I imagine that maybe there's some scenes missing. <laughs> yeah, probably. That is burned into my brain forever. One thing before we start this real quick, I wanted to bring up because it just came up when we were talking about it a second ago, but this is a weird golden age of war comedy. Like... Because there's this. I thought you were going to say it was a golden age of war. And I was like, uh. No, we're in a forever war right now. It'll never not be a golden age of war. Um, but there's this. There's Hogan's Heroes. There's CPO Sharky. There's McHale's Navy. There is Rat Patrol, which is kind of more of an action show, but had comedy in it. Like, there was tons of different um, war comedies on TV. And all I can think about MASH, and because they probably smartly at the time put it as the Korean War and not the current very depressing war America was in, was as a way to sort of be like, war's not all bad, right, guys? Look how funny Alan Alda is. It's fun. Sign up. <laughs> Imagine being like a 18 year old kid out of school. I can't wait to go to war. I'm going to get so much tail. Like, like I got drafted. I hope I meet my trapper, John. Like, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, also, I want to, I do want to mention. So we are purposely doing the show now because it kind of lines up with Memorial Day. So we wanted to do something that was somewhat related for that. But um, Gorda, you're the one who wanted to do the show. It's just kind of the timing lined up. Was there any particular reason you wanted to do this show to begin with? Uh, I actually didn't know if any of you guys had. I, I I I didn't know if you guys had seen this show or not, or given it a a good watch. And this is actually one of my favorite shows of all time. Like I would watch reruns after reruns at night when I was an insomniac and could not sleep. And this was the only thing on when you got the rabbit ear TVs because Fox Broadcasting now work would play it in syndication for like two or three hours a night i think it and used to be on after smackdown like early smackdown i don't remember that i remember it being on at like from like <sighs> one to three either way though definitely a syndication show of our childhood because i have seen episodes here and there and it was almost always at a random time because it was always on tv right when you didn't have cable and like a little tv in your room or something you know what i'll be completely honest this was the first time i've ever seen an episode of mash in my life Really? And I know it's a huge really? show, but That's I just... interesting. I don't know. I just... No, I'm with you. It wasn't hyperbole. I've never gotten more than 10 minutes through an episode. I don't think I knew what kind of show it was. I think as a kid, I guess if... You know, we talked last week doing WKRP, like, we all watched Nick at Night as kids. 
But other than that, I didn't know anything about the show other than it was just a war show. And I don't, I'm not like a history mind, so I don't gravitate towards that kind of Did stuff. Did this ever make it on Nick at Night? No. No, there was no MASH Monday. No. The only interesting <laughs> thing I did read about was that depending on the network that this show was syndicated on, some of them played the laugh track and some of them didn't. Really? So depending really? on which one you watched, it might not have had a laugh track at all, which I thought was strange. I don't remember because I did, did see ours? a bunch of episodes. The one that we watched? I don't know. I can't remember. I wasn't it's paying like, attention enough. This, it did have a laugh track. There was a laugh track because there was one Oh, the one we watched. Yeah, I meant like when we were watching it back oh, then, yeah. which I'm probably in syndication. I couldn't remember. It. It's like Stanley's mustache. I couldn't remember if it was there or not. <laughs> they really got us with the Stanley's mustache. The first time we saw that episode, I was like, I do not know. I knew. Oh, really? Yeah, no, <laughs> instantly. I was pretty confident. I didn't. No, they got me. Yeah, they got me. I was just like was double, uh, second guessing myself. Now, you asked if anybody had seen the TV show. Has anybody here seen the movie? I have. No. I don't I don't remember. I probably not. Was that like a filmed after the run of no, the show thing? It or? was filmed before. Yeah, 1970. It's a huge oh. movie. Robert Altman, um, Trapper John and um Hawkeye in the movie are uh Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould. Oh, so different people play the same yes. characters. Only one person comes back from the movie. Only I think Radar comes back. Very, Radar um, comes <laughs> back and um so does uh the priest. The oh, later yeah. priest, but not the one that's in this episode. In this episode yeah. They followed the same path as uh what we do in the shadows then, essentially. They and did a movie trailer park with, boys. No. Well, no, the trailer park boys were the same characters for the most part. Oh, I thought you meant movie before TV show. No, I meant a movie before the show with different characters entirely. Oh, you know, which oh, you, oh okay. you see a lot of those spinoffs. A lot of them didn't ever make it and would be kind of fun to do. Like there's a Animal House TV show. The Ferris Bueller one. We always talk. I mean, I think we need to have a day where we sit. We tell you, like, we should do a month of this, a month of that. Like, we could logistically plan out a year's worth of episodes if we actually sat down and did all this stuff. And if, if every time one of us said, like, oh, we'll do that or coming soon on an episode and tracked it, we'd have, like, the next five years of yeah. episodes. If, uh, yeah, but, like, uh, I just. terrible. A second ago, uh, Clueless comes to mind. That was a TV show made based on a movie. That show, I don't think it lasted that long, though. I did watch it when it came out, though. Yeah. Uh, instead of Paul Rudd, it was the uh, heartthrob guy from Hey Dude. Oh, yeah. I forgot that guy's name, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hey Dude, which we'll be covering soon. We will be covering, spoiler alert, we will be covering Hey Dude pretty soon. I get to finally open up that box set that I drunkenly bought at a Walmart one night. <laughs> I love that you own that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess we should get into the actual episode. Uh, so yeah, so MASH, start before we even get into it, uh, so MASH is an acronym, stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, which it's funny, it was just one of those things I never even thought of until doing the show right now, but it makes a lot of sense. That's why it has the asterisks. Yeah, and no, it makes sense. It's just one of those I never thought to look it up. Yeah, I will say I always knew it was an acronym, but I didn't know what it was. Like, I knew it was something military, but just never bothered to look it up. They yeah. say it a couple of times. I think uh, they say it definitely in the movie. And I think they say it through. They say it throughout the series what it is. So the actual show starts on an army base, and the first shot we get is a few guys kind of hanging out with golf clubs, and they're shooting into a minefield, uh, which we later find out is a minefield. We don't know at the time. It looks like they're just shooting into the woods, and we get a title screen that reads Korea 1950, and under it says a hundred years ago. And I was like, I don't totally get the joke there. So the joke actually is is if you actually look at the time. 
timing of the I have my cat here that's on my phone, but there is something on the on the Wikipedia here that basically they're one of the first units to go into Korea um, because it was a hundred hundred years ago. And that's how it kind of lines up. Just so you don't know. know what that means at all. What you said did not clarify that to me at all. He's saying their unit has been established there for a hundred years. All right. Years. So it says before the theme song in this episode, the words Korea, 1950, a hundred years ago, appears on screen. The Korean conflict began on June 25th, 1950, when some 75,000 soldiers from the North Korean People's Armies poured across the 38th parallel into South Korea, and American troops had entered the war on South Korea's behalf in July 1950. This means that the 4077th was among the first units sent to Korea. That doesn't clarify why it's 100 years ago, though. It's still, it's still 1950, which is 22 years ago. <laughs> they're setting the time and date. I don't, I, I don't get it. I mean, I think what they're trying to say is that it feels like 100 years ago, because 1950 to 1972, you've gone from these dudes listening to jazzy swing music to post-Woodstock, 1970s, very different world. I think that, yeah, the joke is that it feels like 100 years ago. They probably just could have worded it a little bit better. I mean, I guess think of watching uh, the kids at the beginning of like a Christmas story and then think of watching the kids at the end of the Wonder Years and think how different those two worlds are for kids, right? Like that's, I think, the sort of... I would have went with Boy Meets World. So there is an explanation, I guess. At the very beginning, the opening shot of the pilot episode simply titled Pilot, Trapper and Hawkeye Golf, as Trapper tees off, the text appears, Korea, 1950, 100 years ago. 100 years, exactly when the time capsule was set to be opened. That means, in a way, the entire MASH series was somehow uncovering the trials, tears, tricks, and tribulations of the 4077th a century later. The show is something that has been dug up in the year 2050, which Ah, I still don't understand. Apparently, they talked about this in a much later episode, but apparently it was a show that was in a time capsule for 100 years. Well, now I really wish that none of us had five minutes of trying to philosophically go through what we thought it meant. <laughs> we just cut all of that out. We just sound like fucking jackasses now. Yeah, there's like a good 10 minutes of audio. <laughs> I but, just cut it. I just chop it. Yeah, we chop that right down. <laughs> choppy, choppy, yo, pee-pee. <laughs> but all right, so let's get past that. And um, so after that, there's more establishing shots of what looks like two doctors operating, but then... That ends up just being like them opening a bottle. Uh, we have someone asleep outside uh, doing the sign of the cross. We have a uh, man and woman reading their Bibles together at a table. And then you pan down to see that they're playing footsie, barefoot. Sexual Bibling. And like that got like a big laugh. So I, we talked earlier about laugh tracks versus no. Like they, there was a big laugh that was injected when you see them playing footsie. It was like, I don't see what's so funny about this, but all right. But upside is if because of that, some strange dude who used to work with them went and bought them beer. Yeah. That died on the table like one of the mash <laughs> patients. Like, first off, you either have to memorize everything we've talked about in past <laughs> episodes or hang out with us directly to get that reference. So like you, the, the listener base w- will be so confused by hearing that regardless of whether or not we sell that joke or not. But, it, but if you do know, you're our number one fan. Yeah, if anybody knows what we're talking about who listens, then beer on me or seltzer water on me. For the price of feet picks. So all these um establishing shots, we're just kind of getting a vibe for the area, right? Their, their base. And you see that it's, it's not all, there's more to being away at war than just combat. They're just kind of showing you a little bit of a day in the life, I guess. 
know what I always wondered? They have the whole golf scene with the with the minefield. How come when like in minefields, there's no like domino effect? Like one goes off and then they don't all go off because they're far enough away from each other. Yeah, I bet that that could happen if you're bad at planting a minefield. But I think that yeah, you're supposed to put them somewhat far apart. Okay. Also, kind of a bummer right now to be like jokes about mines when there's like real issues with mines in the real world right now. Where you're like, mm, I don't want to laugh at those. Well, that's what I'm saying. This, these issues have always been, you know, when this show came out, there was still wars going on. I just thought, you know, I don't know. It just seems distasteful. And Imagine I can't, if you yeah. came home from Vietnam because you got your leg blown off in a mine. <laughs> right. And then and you were then, like, oh, yeah. it's okay. Alan Alda's golfing. You'd be like, fuck that guy. Fuck this show. Put on what's happening. It's funny because to do this show again, it takes place in 1950. This episode's airing in 1972. There are plenty of people who served in this war who are now in their late 30s, early 40s that are watching this television show. Like (laughs) this could be very uh, a little too close to home. Yeah, the demographic for this show is definitely people who did serve in that conflict, and that's kind of... Uh, didn't Alan Alda actually serve in the Korean War? I think he's the only one that did. Well, if he has strange. no problem with it, then what are we <laughs> yeah. complaining yeah, about? He, if he's cool with it, who are we to judge? I mean, to be fair, he was the president in Canadian Bacon, so if you play the president in a movie as good as Canadian Bacon, then I feel like you can make a decision and we have to go by it. Uh, Jamie Farr was there too, but I guess they were both there after the ceasefire, so there wasn't a lot of conflict going on just like hanging out yeah (laughs) they were actually just on vacation (laughs) they went to korea but it was a vacation it was just a vacation uh and then um so anyways we cut back to the guys that were playing football and uh who we come to find out is radar catches a pass and then he kind of looks up and he just yells like here they come and no one else hears anything but then you look up and moments later the helicopters start coming in uh, we we kind of find out a little more about radar as we go along. It's kind of a shtick. He's a little. He's one step ahead, right? Whether it be with sounds he's got or some sense of ESP, it seems. Yeah, yeah there's, there's something yeah. to him. It's kind of like in Stand by Me when he puts his head down on the train tracks and he can feel the vibrations and knows the train's coming. Mm. Yeah, but anybody can do that. I guess that's true. I thought this was a very interesting transition into the intro because it goes from like the actual shots of what's going on to kind of seamlessly just interjecting the intro of the show as part of the episode instead of like a complete standalone thing you cut away to. Which I think is only in the pilot. Yes, this yeah. is the only time where it the show opens with a with a uh, scene. It always opens okay. with that theme song from the back of Radar's head Okay. in future episodes, but we don't know that. But I do love the actual use of helicopters for shots in this, though. It really does. Like, there are some really interesting... I mean, like, I guess when you're coming off of a TV show that you're trying to make from a movie that was so well done that you kind of pull out the bag of tricks and do a little more. You I mean, this doesn't feel, with some of the moves they do, like a sort of static um, sitcom, yeah. you know what I mean? It's funny, too, because they shot this in, like, a state park in Mount so like there was constantly military helicopters flying around during like the actually just flying around yeah it's one of those situations where if it happens it doesn't take away from the shot so like go with it it's fine yeah. imagine too like trying to immerse yourself in this world of like war and injury and death and then like lunch and you walk out into fucking malibu you're in paradise like it's gonna be such a weird <laughs> yeah. jarring thing and uh we get uh like uh 
an, a loudspeaker that's overhead and you hear attention all personnel report immediately to admitting ward and operating room and during this like you see everyone like running out and they're heading that way but they like there's like a little quick gag too where it's like off limits to male personnel and like you see a female walk out and then a guy walk out right after and it's weird because you're you're seeing helicopters land and injured soldiers being taken off and put on a stretchers and like they're like placed on like these jeeps that to like escort them to the hospital but then they have these like comedy gags like kind of placed in there and it's a very weird tone balance that they're that they're skirting here yeah the whole concept of the show is what that's what i'm saying like it's just a weird uh like it's a weird place to live for a show because it's like you're watching like people come off these like they could be like have limbs blown off or at the brink of death and it's just like Ooh, we were fucking in the females only area. And it's like, what a weird time to like, just slip in like that wacky little, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie autofocus. That's about Bob Crane. It's a pretty interesting and funny movie, but it's about Bob Crane and sort of the making of Hogan's heroes and what his life was. But at one point he's doing a press interview and the guy's like, yeah, it's really funny. It takes place in a concentration or a prisoner of war camp. And the interviewer's like, oh yeah, with the funny Nazis. And just gets pissed <laughs> off and walks away. And that's all I kept thinking about in this movie. <laughs> It was like, oh, it's a funny war TV show. Or the part in that movie where uh, little Willem Dafoe talks about how he put his fingers in Bob Crane's asshole because it was a group group. You guys need to watch this movie. I'll pass. But it's so like that. How can we not? <laughs> it was a group group. I thought you liked it. It's so good. <laughs> it's the best part of the whole movie. And... <laughs> Uh, now we transition into the operating room of this mobile hospital and we see just like a team of doctors working on someone and one of them who's like clearly meant to be the focus of the show you can see because the camera's like right on him and that's Hawkeye and he's also narrating over this footage so like and it's a letter that he wrote to his dad and um and it says, Dear Dad, Hawkeye here. You said I sounded a bit callous about my job in the last letter. Well, let me see if I can put it another way. At this particular mobile army hospital, we're not concerned with the ultimate reconstruction of the patient. We only care about getting the kid out of here alive enough for someone else to put on the fine touches. We work fast and we're not dainty. Because a lot of these kids who can stand two hours on the table can't stand one second more. We try to play par surgery on this course. Par is a live patient. So basically what he's telling his dad is, listen, what we're here to do is just keep them alive. It's not meant to be pretty. We're not meant to do a phenomenal job. It's just get them good enough and then we can get them moved on later. Yeah, it's, it's like equal to like EMTs. Like they, yeah. their job is just to stabilize them, keep them alive long enough to get to the real hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, uh, and it plays out throughout the series, but they're the first stop after you get into a battle. They're the first wave that gets it. So. Yeah, it, they're not meant to be like, wow, and you can't even see the scar. Like yeah, that's exactly. not their intention here. Exactly. Yeah, right. They're just meant to clean it out and send you on your way. Did anybody else find it weird that he was writing a letter to his parents? Parents and he says, Hawkeye here. <laughs> what? I found it more weird that he's writing a letter to his parents and he's like 40 years old. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're at war. You're going to write to your parents because you can't do anything. You can't call or anything. But does anybody else notice he sounds exactly like Howard Stern? No. WNBC. Alan Alda sounds exactly like Howard Stern. If you call that out ahead of time, I think I probably would have heard it stronger. But like now I would have to hear it again. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch it. In my head, he just has the Groucho Marx Vlasic Pickle Stork voice. (laughs) I'm like, hey, we play car here. Like I just keep saying it like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, hey, you want to play doctor after this? 
<laughs> so we we see them continue to work on a patient here and it's again it's shot very serious and like when you see just the actual shots of them performing these surgeries it's very quiet a lot of like you just hear the instruments being used and they slip in these jokes that are like they're kind of they're not like always delivered super zany so they're kind of dry and a little realistic even in those and joe it's like you said at the beginning of the episode uh where he says like if you don't move i'm gonna have to cut around your b cups and he asks her if he wants to if they want to play doctor later it's all while they're like we think we're losing them and they're doing all this stuff and i'm like he's he's still using his like doctor talk voice too though he's like i want to play um doctor later (laughs) yeah do you think there was like a writer's room meeting where they're like okay what cup size should we use here we don't want to say a cup because we don't want to maybe uh maybe they just asked her D would be a little too big, and that might be too big for the censors. Like, did the censors come back and be like, you can say B cup, and that's our final decision? I think they maybe they just asked her. They're like, what's, um, what are you rocking with? And we'll, we'll just stick with that. So the, the, you know, the dialogue seems realistic. Hey, girl, what size them titties? I mean, that's not for, that's not that far from what you'd expect him to say. These people seem to be terrible monsters. <laughs> They're not monsters, man. It's a different time. I don't know. It's a little, I think it's a little A, a little B. Little A, little be i mean it's like the fact that it's like the uh u.s being like we know you were nazis but you're also really good rocket scientists and we want to go to the moon so why don't you come over here for a while and we'll go quiet about it like that's sort of what it's like yeah just like that it's just like (laughs) just like that (laughs) we're talking about a show that takes place in the 50s but is filmed in the 70s i mean era to era this happens to us all the time you know we always joke early in this one 70s and a lot of times it was 90s and how different things are and what's okay then versus now jokes anything it's just it's ever changing and not that it isn't wrong to when we look back and say oh you know you shouldn't have said that it was just a different era you can't always just give it credit for being a different era but there is something to that what was considered okay or what was kind of standard and what people were raised thinking was all right well not only that but they're also portraying a different time like you said in the 50s which was way more wild as far as like the mentality of men and women and so forth and so on than in the 70s you know so also these guys are both soldiers where they they're now growing up five years i mean this is five years after world war ii right so they're seeing what it was like to be a soldier and the sort of societal status that gave you especially after world war ii and their doctors they are the two things at this time where any woman would be like i want to the goal is to marry this person you know what i mean so i feel like they get to walk around with like impunity in the real world because like oh i'm a war vet and i'm a doctor holy shit well they walk around with impurity in this fucking fake world too walking around drunk doing whatever they want it's another one of those things too just uh just wanted to look it up alan alda 36 in this Oh, so our age, yeah. Yeah. He looks a lot older, but I mean, you know, if we were at war, we would write our parents, you know? Well, not only that, but the reason why I think he's older in this that we joke, he's a doctor. Like, it's not like he was like, he was a practicing doctor and that's not something that like you get pumped out at like 22 and you're you're good to go. Tell that to Doogie Howser. Yes, unless you're Doogie Hauser. Well, Doogie Hauser, notwithstanding. But in the infantry, in the army, or any branch of the service, right? And in a war, they're like, here's a vest with a red cross on it, and here's a bunch of morphine. If somebody gets a shot, stick them with this and try to, like, keep them stable or whatever, right? That's not a doctor. That's somebody who's 18. To be these guys, you need people who are surgeons. You have to be in school for a long time to, you know, and be practicing that for a long time. Mm -hmm. With a lot of these oldest shows, you know, I think it is, is I think it's just the quality of the cameras and stuff. It makes makes them look older than they are that could be 
we've mentioned this before. It's us looking back. They're our parents' age. So they naturally always look to people born now. It doesn't matter. We're going to, they're going to look back and see us in high school and be like, damn, you looked old. You know, <laughs> you look back at like thing. your parents' yearbooks and stuff in their, their 18, 19. Like, they look younger, but it, I don't know, different eras too, like different um, hairstyles, makeup styles, wardrobe. That'll change someone's uh, youthfulness and how they come off sometimes because it'll date them. I wonder if that was a bummer for these guys, right? Because now imagine you want to look like a cool swinging 70s guy and they're like, no, you have to look like it's 1950. And you're like, but I want mutton chop sideburns. <laughs> like, well, you can't fucking have them. I've uh, I've had my share of mutton chop sideburns. You have. Much past the 70s. Yeah, you look like the singer from Fall Out Boy. Nah, his weren't as thick. His weren't as muttony. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're not as muttony, I guess it doesn't really count. His looked like extended loose long sideburns. We don't need to get into too much uh, mutton chop talk. But so now we see um like a different doctor as well. We cut to and he's like yelling at whoever his assistant. I don't know if it is an assistant or whatever. I think it's a nurse. Yeah, he's just yelling at uh, at her. And and Hawkeye is, uh, you know, calls over like someone put a clamp on his mouth and they, they kind of have some words back and forth. Uh, that's uh, Frank, as we come to learn later on. And after that, uh, we cut to outside when Hawkeye's exiting this mobile hospital and Frank's like quick to follow behind him and he's yelling for his attention. And he tells he tells him uh, Hawkeye also his last name's Pierce. He, he So Frank's calling him Pierce, which is his last name. Frank says to Hawkeye that his conduct in there was unbecoming of as an officer and equally reprehensible as a medical man and he says back to him frank i happen to be an officer only because i foolishly opened an invitation from president truman to come to this costume party so are we to assume that in these times where they were they almost not drafting uh per se but were they soliciting like people of certain fields like they needed surgeons so are they seeking out people that they can just bring into this into the military to serve these purposes no they drafted them that's what he means by invite that's what he means by invitation he just yeah. got it an open day. But are you being drafted specifically because yes. of your craft, not yes. so much like an open draft? No, if you're being drafted, everybody's being drafted. He just had the credentials to become an officer right away instead of otherwise. Yeah, once they found out he was a doctor, that's that's the end of that. It's the same thing if you were a dentist, if you It's were the same thing now. If you come if you join the army now and you have a degree, you right. can become an officer right away. But I was thinking of like in times where there's an active draft going on and maybe they have shortages and none of us know none of us are military but what happens when they say hey we don't have enough surgeons i feel like that's got to start with invites and turns to drafting as needed you know what i mean i think you go out there and say hey look we need x y and z to come over here and then if you don't get the numbers then you got to start forcing people's hands you know i imagine that with how powerful the u.s government is if they want people they will get the people yeah yeah i guess, and I guess none you, of you won't have a choice practice. i mean especially if it's if it's a, a situation like korea where it is an all-out war yeah that's i mean not to get like too political or too real into the real world but if they want it they can get it yeah this is also still a war right after world war ii and very pretty far away still from vietnam where there's not a lot of dissent amongst people about the war right people were much more rah-rah america we have to go well we also just got off of the heels of fighting like a, a righteous war too like it like world war ii was a very much a good versus evil type war so there wasn't as much pushback people a lot more patriotic in those times yeah um to go back to the show as frank and hawkeye are going back and forth hawkeye kind of says like if you're questioning my abilities as a doctor you know i'm gonna have to ch- 
challenge you to a duel. And this is when we um, we meet uh, his friend for the first time who says, like, swords or pistols. He's like, I was thinking uh, of specimen bottles at 20 paces. What what did he mean by that? Throwing them. Jizz. Throwing, throwing piss. I thought it was I thought it was what Ferg said. Oh, you thought it was cum? Were they going to just throw, throw that at each other from 20 paces away? P makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think P just has places. the P has the distance. I guess either way though, that that's the goal. You just, it was just going to be an old fashioned duel where they just huck one one of the two things that'll come out of that hole. A uh, classic body <laughs> fluid fight. Yeah, <laughs> a classic sword fight, if you will. Dick grenades. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and- <laughs> And uh, he says, hey, there's a lady present. And he goes, oh, sorry, baby. And she goes, Major T. He goes, oh, sorry, Major Baby. <laughs> that that, that, one, out that one got me. <laughs> That's also one of the ones in my voice, in my head, I hear in that way, Major Baby. Like, I just can't not hear that as an old-timey voice. Still always funny. And they're still arguing here. And, and after being told by Frank that he's a disgrace to the outfit, Hawkeye says, you know, he's tired. And, you know, they've all been doing surgery for the last 12 hours. And says, you know, kind of sneaks in another dig by telling Frank, you must be tired too from all that malpractice that you've been putting in. Snap. I like that's like a doctor burn. You know what yeah, I mean? Like you could yeah. never say that to somebody who wasn't in the <laughs> medical fields, you know? And Hawkeye and his buddy uh, who goes by Trapper John as we find out, they kind of head out and now they're walking towards like their bunker. Is that is that what that is? Is that is that what the bunker is where they stay? Yeah, it's like tent, I think. Yeah, it's like a tent, tent, but it's a barracks. Yeah, I'd say barracks probably. And uh, it has the word swamp written on the door and that's uh, clearly where they live and greeting them is a korean boy named hojan who uh once they get inside and sit down he's like hands them like a small cocktail glass uh each which i i think uh it would be the gin that they make we'll find that out in a little bit and uh they sit there and like ah oh, yes the finest kind and he says you know let's just throw away all the guns and let's just invite all the jokers from the north and the south and have a cocktail party and last man standing on his feet at the end wins the war this was a weird one political moment in the show where they like sort of leftist went like maybe the war we shouldn't be here war is dumb right is that the one moment where it's aside from the like you know we have to take care of the people who are coming in hurt i thought it was interesting they throw in one real quick thing and then they just you know follow it up with extreme sexism and racism (laughs) immediately after but well i think before we get into all that stuff i guess it is interesting because this is obviously a military show first right but it kind of skirts around it by focusing on the fact that this is really just the hospital side of it so it's like the mobile hospital is the focus so it's not a lot of and i don't know the future run of the show but knowing this episode it's not focusing on combat and a lot of the political stuff that goes behind it it's more the fact that they are dealing with the hospital it just happens to be in the middle of a war yeah i mean there's no politics on the table during surgery you know what i mean like a doctor tries to save a patient regardless you know and it's kind of a very smart way to go about that because it kind of takes the politics out of a military show which is tough to do so this is kind of a really nice workaround and not isolate viewers for sure yeah yeah because i bet it happens and i'm i'm guessing right i've never seen this happen an episode but i'm assuming at some point they probably have to do surgery on quote unquote the enemy right and like to a doctor that doesn't matter you're doing the job at hand and that's somebody else's politics to deal with after yeah right and now radar uh heads in with the mail and i like the um the little dialogue re- here where Travis was like i don't feel like mail and hawkeye's like go ahead open it they can't draft you again <laughs> And I didn't even pick up on it. That answers our question that they were drafted. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Again, cut that chunk out too. <laughs> yeah. I guess, it, you know, it, it, uh, when you think back at those times though, and it's, 
there is that fear, you know, in 1950 and you're, you know, in your twenties, early thirties and the mail comes in and you just think any day they can be telling you like, Hey, pack up. I just hope every day when the world gets worse and worse, every day that we get a little bit older, I'm like, we're at a point where it'd have to be pretty bad if they called us. We're, right? We are uh, we're already now, past. The, the yeah, age. we're past it. No, but I mean like, yeah, but they'll, if they need you. They'll take you. They start. There are doctrines that could draft us, by the way. There's always yeah. a, a loophole. We are not aged out completely yet i mean if it if push it, came it, to shove i have mean, to get really bad but uh there is a chance we could get drafted well i'm fat blind and have asthma so i don't i think i should be sick. so you would just ride a desk <laughs> in a building somewhere yeah that's fine yeah my ankle my ankle is severely damaged <laughs> if we're gonna get into all our problems I, I just, <laughs> joe joe just like oh my cum sucks so uh, uh my cum sucks and goldfish <laughs> will kill me they're like all right you can catch a bullet buddy i, I, I like that joe walks in he doesn't even speak it and like no <laughs> turn it around <laughs> Well, this could also be a great way for us to finally make our sitcom where we all uh, enroll in college at 37. We're like, oh, I don't know. I'm just working on my master's right now. Let's see how long we can pull this off. All we can make in the army now, the series. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Paulie well, Shore. I'm glad Paulie Shore got brought up because I had a spot later, but he always has And to. Andy Dick. <laughs> but god andy dick's the other one in there they did announce today Polly shore on his twitter and instagram today said that biodome 2 was happening that's real wow. i saw a picture i thought it was a joke billy baldwin too stephen baldwin stephen baldwin this does open up the opportunity too for <laughs> is this his first acting role since the first biodome oh no he's been in plenty of stuff i wouldn't say plenty it must suck being the least talented baldwin he's not the least talented baldwin who's the least talented who's the one who's in the D death wish remake the one you, there's probably there's probably a bunch of baldwins who did nothing yeah. <laughs> but this brought me up to my idea of how badly we need to make son-in-law the sequel son-in-law part two father-in-law where they have a kid it, like how good of a premise is that joe you can't remake all the Polly shore movies <laughs> but i want to actually what just came to mind was billy baldwin was in forgetting sarah marshall as the dude <laughs> and when he loses his mind he goes you're fucking billy baldwin <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny yeah in the movie. i mean the show so trapper opens his letter and he's like oh bad news it's from my wife she still loves me <laughs> would you believe this and uh he, she's under the impression that he was um conspiring he sent him he got uh sent to korea just so he could cheat on her and he said well, and uh hot guy's like well didn't you and she's like yeah but how'd she figure it out it's like i want to go to war just so i can let's try to think of the cotton hill it's like she's your war scooch like <laughs> i just want to go to war just so i can have sex with whatever country i'm sent to as prostitutes that's how i'll get her and hawkeye's letter is from the uh dean of his alma mater telling him that based on hojon's academic records and hawkeye's recommendation that they'll be accepting him into the school um they just kind of need to provide the thousand dollar tuition and I like when he tells Hojan about it, his reactions, hot dog. Like what a, what a, uh, a lost Wholesome. term. Yeah. Like that's a, of days of old. Hojan, I just keep, every time they would say it just makes me think of in the Simpsons where you know, Homer says, we can call you Homer Jr. The kids can call you Hoju. <laughs> every time they say Hojan, that's all I can think of. So uh, now uh, Trapper, John, and Hawkeye need to figure out a way to come up with the money to get Hojon into school. And do we know how much $1,000 was in 1972? Well, it'd be 1950 when it takes place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that would be about ten thousand, uh, almost eleven thousand dollars. That's still a bargain compared to today's rates for college. I was so. going to say the same thing <laughs> for medical school. Yeah, that also true. Yeah, this is a year of medical school. Now, this is weird to me too because it's nineteen fifty, and you said Gordo that the Americans entered Korea in July. So Correct. that means at the very latest, they've known this dude for five months and have made such a bond with him in just five months, or much less, that they're willing to write. I mean, it has to have been a while because. I don't know how fast the mail was getting from Korea back and forth. He's serving them booze every day. That's that's bond. If every time I got home, someone opened the door for me, and as soon as I sat, they handed me a nice glass of gin, like, you know, gotta do him a favor somewhere. Oh, a slave. Well, that does not go nicely into the next line of the episode yeah. at all. <laughs> it's a tough transition. <laughs> <laughs> that's your clip for the week right there. If Joe didn't mention it earlier, I would say skip the next line, but no, so I then um, I feel like you have to for cultural whatever. Yeah, well, so then to comp with the money, Trapper jokes that they should sell Spear Chucker while he's asleep. That is a slavery joke. Spear well, Chucker calling him yeah a racial. The only other time I've heard that word before is in the movie. I think it's Bowfinger. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie Murphy, and he says that he's like because he says Shakespeare, and he goes, "What? What are you calling me? You calling me that?" Then, like, he gets all mad. It's the only other time I've ever heard that term before. I mean, it's definitely an outdated term. I think maybe it's said in that sort of famous SNL sketch where Chevy Chase and Garrett Morris are saying white and black racial terms to each other back and forth. But it's not something it's said, uh, luckily. Not, I mean, maybe yeah, some luckily. people say it. I don't fucking know. But <laughs> This isn't funny, but it's kind of strange. The character, that was his name. Like, they didn't just, like, call him that. That was his name, was Spear Chucker. Like, they Lovely. called him, like... That was going to be my next question. He was um dropped from the series because the creators of the show found out that there had been zero african-american surgeons in the korean war on the american side so they were like we have to be completely accurate and they just stopped we have letting this guy on this the show. guy that we yeah. named spear chucker off the show that's not good. <laughs> That's bad. They literally credited him. And the sad part is he was in the movie as a different character named J.D. Vance, I believe. So he played another character. And they said, you know, we're going to bring you back. And good news, kid. <laughs> we got a job for you. <laughs> oh, what am I called? That's definitely like a... Uh, Ooh, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, I mean, 70s. I don't even want to say that ages badly because that wasn't good then either, right? Because when you because no. they're joking race, like it's not like Archie Bunker saying something racist and you're he's a buffoon, right? And you're laughing at him being so shitty. This is just like, oh, these two guys who are the heroes of the show are just casually like, we could sell the slave. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And then at this point, it's like I don't know anything else about the show, so I don't know if like they're like friends or if, like yeah, he like, does doesn't have much in this episode right he has like a line earlier on when they first get in there when he goes to bed and he doesn't say anything you see him in the beginning playing football with radar uh but yeah you don't know this character well enough to know his rapport with the other guys and it's not like they all bunk together just because they like each other you just kind of you were put where you're put so you don't know yeah it's very weird yeah very odd i'd like to go on record and say i don't like it <laughs> i'm just yeah, gonna put yeah, that out exactly. there into the universe not a fucking fan 
Nope. So as they continue to brainstorm ideas of ways to raise money, uh, they go, what do these guys really want? Sex. Why, why, <laughs> so, you know what? My question was, why don't they have $1,000? They're successful. Do- I know they're in war now, but they should have money from their practice before getting drafted. No? Yeah, from being surgeons? Yeah. Question. I mean, it's still $11,000. They're still doctors. <laughs> yeah, but a house in 1950 cost like two pence and a loaf of bread, so they should be doing just fine as <laughs> Nonetheless, if you can, if you can find a way to raise money and not take it all out of your savings account then why not that's more or less what it is i mean you get no but no they say where are we gonna find a thousand dollars they're also in the middle of korea not exactly you know in their neighborhood yeah you can't like venmo your parents so they write a letter home hey take this out of my account wire it over send a telegram to the max and we'll see if we can get it for you But yeah, so to go back, uh, they've realized that the best way to get funds raised from all these guys is um, to sell sex, essentially. So Hawkeye tells John uh, they'll have radar print up some tickets and a sign that reads, All you can drink, 10 bucks ahead, giant door prize, weekend pass for two in Tokyo, lucky winner to share the company of uh, gorgeous nurse. So are they prostituting one of the nurses? Yes. Yes. I don't think so. I think it's a harebrained scheme for... Uh, not ready to, for a Hawkeye to get a date with the nurse he wants but to But he fuck. didn't even know because, I mean, the way it plays out, that's not, well, as we'll see later, but I think it's they're selling the idea of sex. Like, that's what these guys want. Yeah, they're selling the idea of sex, but they're not prostituting her out because he plans on himself winning and then the priest. So is it implied, uh, though, that to the to the person, regardless of the intent on their end, to the people who are buying tickets? Yeah, they're win- if they win, they get to go to Japan and have sex with the gorgeous nurse. Yeah. Yeah. These 70s. racist slave trader pimp yeah. surgeons. Now, is it assumed that the nurse is on board or that they will have the opportunity to like woo her into sleeping with him? They haven't thought about it. As we're about to find out, they have not thought about that far ahead in their plan. They just think it sounds good and that's what will sell. And then they fill in the pieces later. So yeah, from there, we cut to radar with the Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake. And they do like a like a couple gags where radar seems to always be a couple steps ahead of everything that Blake needs. And, and we touched on that earlier with the whole him hearing the helicopter. And I assume this is why his name's radar because his like sense abilities. Yeah. If he was in the Navy, they'd call him sonar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like in the movie Down Periscope, there's a character named Sonar. Played by the guy that's in Rocket Man. I forget his name. So uh Hawkeye and Trapper John enter and they greet uh Henry Blake and they show him the letter that the Dean had sent and um they requested some weekend passes and explain what it's for. So um Blake says it seems like a good enough cause and he goes, Why don't I trust you guys? Trapper John goes, because we're not trustworthy. I really I don't know. Um Trapper John has a few lines I really like throughout the episode uh, it seems like they feed him the good one-liners trapper john is i think the funnier of the two because he's less egregiously terrible he gets to be the cool one on the side though there's you know less is more sometimes so this uh this episode there's almost not a single moment where you don't see hawkeye on screen where trapper john's with him most of the time but he's more in and out he's not speaking as much so you know th- that cool factor gets to stay in play yeah i think this show may have worked a little better with a bigger ensemble cast instead of focusing on these two constantly though because it made me hate them (laughs) yeah it can be tough at times uh so blake then asks what nurse they have 
you know, conned into this. And Hawkeye says they hadn't asked, but there's only one clear choice. A girl with a face that doesn't quit, a girl with so much body, she should be continued on to the next girl, which um, I thought that was a good line. But uh, they are talking about Lieutenant Dish and Blake says she'll never agree to this, but Hawkeye tells him, you know, that he's kind of, uh, he has a way with her. So even though she's inaccessible to everybody else, she's putty in the hands of the master, which that line sounded really creepy when he said it. Well, yeah. And then you look at what the montage of what happens. Well, next. yeah. I mean, once they, I mean, even leading in as they're describing her, when he's giving all this description of her, you see, um, a shot of her and she's kind of painting her toenails and it kind of pans up her body. And once you finally get to her head, he kind of creeps in from behind and just starts kissing her neck. So he's like relentless with her. Yeah, this is basically like a scene from Porky's. Yeah. It's back then though. Like writing was so different. Look back at like Revenge of the Nerds. He basically like rapes that girl and it's like played for like jokes. And that's 12 years later. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and she, I mean, she is somewhat into him, right? So because when he's doing this, she's like, Hawkeye, that makes me crazy. <laughs> and he says, my lips were made by Stradivarius. It's a weird reference. 70s. It's 1870s? Like a Stradivarius <laughs> reference? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh she reminds him that she's engaged and he says that he is too think of me as a dress rehearsal um i guess um there's a lot of infidelity going on at this uh this place i mean it makes sense right i I suppose i mean i imagine there's a lot of sex in war right the same thing is like when they say there's a lot of sex at the olympics right it's like a bunch of people in this weird high pressure especially a military unit where they don't have to go anywhere ever they're always there right they're never on patrol i think that's more i I won't say it's excusable but i can see how that happens more though than at the olympics it's like (laughs) hey you guys are bunkered here for like two weeks so you know (laughs) (laughs) well i don't obviously i'm not comparing the two (laughs) i'm just saying that like you know you always hear that the olympic village is so sexual because it's these people who all have a shared experience together you know and it's a big release no pun and they're all on hormones and so she's uh she keeps talking about how he's always sneaking up on her and how she's trying to be faithful but you know a girl can only take so much and we get these various shots of him sneaking up on her in the library like hiding in a chest he's like in in a shower at some point in the shower which is the shower is pretty rough yeah that's a little more that's a little more line crossing Obviously, uh, in this case, uh, not that what he's doing is right. She is obviously very receptive of it. She is clearly into him, too. Because even saying that, like, you know, I'm trying to be faithful, but a girl can only take so much. She's she's saying to him, hey, I'm trying to be good. But if you keep up this, I'm eventually going to give in. Yeah, like, keep going and this will happen. Yeah, like, uh, it's going to happen because I, I can't take this much longer. Keep victim blaming you, too. No, no. I'm <laughs> going by victim blaming. I'm going by <laughs> what? what she is saying. I'm <laughs> not messing with you. They're both terrible people. They're all terrible. The, everyone in this is yeah. bad. <laughs> Except for maybe Hoju. Hot dog. <laughs> he just seems okay. He's at the one room. Like, okay. And 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 the other guy who I'm not going to say his name, who has one line and is sleeping and just gets denigrated. I'm assuming he's okay too, just for... Oh, and also, uh, I'm not going to say I'll wait till I say it later. Joe's not going to say his name. Joe definitely said his name earlier in the episode, though. So, uh... <laughs> Greg Army Man. <laughs> so... G.I. <laughs> Greg. Also, he never really gets around to telling her what that favor that he needed was, but because he's still relentlessly kissing her neck. But I, I'm going to assume off camera, 
she she's clued in later on. I'm just gonna say, like, this whole like thing was a little uncomfortable, but when he came out of the suitcase, like the trunk, it made me laugh. That one was funny. <laughs> that was a good little bit of physical yeah. comedy. Yeah. yeah. And as this is happening, uh, you see Frank and Margaret, who uh, I guess also is known as Hot Lips. They're spying on them from their bunker with like binoculars, which they're they're not that far away. You didn't need binoculars. These two were also, by the way, the ones who were playing footsie reading the Bible. So. Oh, they were. Yeah. 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 Wasn't that invested that early to realize who was who in the intro? So I wouldn't have picked up on that either. The only reason I did was later in the episode because Frank's Bible comes into play again. Oh, okay. And that's when I was able to put that together. And then back in the bunker where Hawkeye and Trapper John are like they're counting all the tickets now to see how much money they've made so far and they're at about like six hundred dollars and hawkeye says they need to get you know everyone uh in on this so and give everyone the opportunity to buy some of these tickets so he starts going through frank's things to find some money this is what i was just talking about and frank walks in and catches hawkeye who's looking through the bible for money i assume just seeing if he's he stashes it there when Frank's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just wanted to borrow your Bible. He's like, since when are you interested in the Bible? And then this is another good Trapper John line. I peeked at the end, Frank. The devil did it. That is a good line. <laughs> I think that was like my first like legitimate laugh from like a line in the whole thing. <laughs> Trapper John got me a couple times. Like I said, they, they tend to give him the good one-liners. It seems weird to me that so many people used to keep money in books, specifically the Bible, because everybody knew about that. So it seemed like a bad place to do it, right? Like even Ninja Turtles, Danny steals money from April O'Neil's, I think, Bible. No, it's her purse. He pulls it out of a book. He pulls it out of her purse. I thought he pulls it out of the book. Maybe he stole from her many times. Her Maybe. pocket book. I don't, I'm not. Yeah. Nice. Now I'm going to have to watch that tonight. And you're going to have to answer for Kelsey for when the next week I just keep going for baby turtles. And she hits me with a frying pan because that's what will happen. I always liked Kawabunga. I made another funny. Well, to say that that's like kind of a common hiding, it's it's no different than the leaving the key under the doormat, you know, it's that same, the obvious spot. I don't think I ever had like... Where do you guys hide your keys? I was going to well, say, <laughs> or money. Where do you keep your money and your jewels, Betty? Yeah. I keep mine in the bank. <laughs> that's the thing. I've got a fake Barbasol can with the bottom comes out. <laughs> yeah, we, we, are, we are a little one foot in, one foot out as far as like the generational stuff, but... We, we were like raised half in a time where there was no debit cards and stuff, but living in today's world, there is no need to hide money somewhere. You can, you have access to your stuff at all times. Just never use cash either. I've had a $20 bill in my wallet for like eight months at this point. I'm just like, I haven't. I found a hundred dollar bill in my wallet recently. No idea when I put it in That's there. That's <laughs> awesome. But it's to the point that I get uncomfortable when I have actual cash. It's like, I don't want it. I always <laughs> carry cash. It's always easier. Easier than just swiping the card. It, it takes longer to count money. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yes, it I does. I mean, if you're buying a car, maybe, but <laughs> if you're buying a I know. A if I'm purchase. buying like a pack of gum or, or I'm at like 7-Eleven or something like that, throw a 20, they work on counting the change. Like, it doesn't matter. There's more going on. I can just swipe my card. We're done. Yeah, done. I mean, to each their own. I just like having cash. I don't even use the card anymore. I get it on my phone. Just beep, beep, pay. Well, let it be known uh, to any of you pumping us in the street, if you're going to attempt to rob any of us, go for Nick. Jay has $100 yeah. in his wallet. <laughs> I do right I do now. have $100 in my wallet. I don't think it's there anymore. <laughs> I think I, I found it and promptly uh, spent it. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Yeah. I have an emergency $2 in my wallet. <laughs> what the fuck is that going to do? That's another reason why I don't like carrying cash is because it makes me aware of how much I'm spending. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. What is this emergency $2 going to fix one day? Bad breath. 
<laughs> I need I need gum right now. That's a bus. Yeah, that's a bus or a train, right? Is, is it, it anymore? I don't know. The train might be more than two. Train now. is one ninety one way. And for that stellar service on the MBTA, I think it's worth every penny. So, anyways, to go back to this, uh, the going through the Bible situation seems to be what made Frank finally snap. Uh, he's he's tired of them. He's tired of the remarks. He's tired of what he says the corruption of Hojon. But Hojon seems fine. But uh, maybe just that he takes part in some of the activities that they do. Yeah, the corruption of getting him to medical school. Yeah, you really you you're ruining this child's life uh but he says they're turning this place into a brothel and then he starts running around and kind of like i don't want to say destroying things he's doing very light (laughs) he's just kind of like ripping things off the wall and like tossing them in the air and then uh it says and a distillery and he grabs the gin mill this is because at the time earlier when they were having a drink i didn't know what they were drinking but i was um pleased to see that they're gin guys i'm a fellow gin man myself now question is i don't know how much you know about this but how long does it take to make gin like very quickly like okay. if you see like you'll see like a brewery pop up pretty often right like all over the place a beer brewery because it doesn't take that long to make beer and you don't see a lot of distilleries pop up very often because it takes a long time yeah see i, not, I knew it take took a long time that's why I questioned certain gin, spirits like, take longer than others so yeah gin is one of the absolute quickest you can do okay and like the first one that opened up around here it was like we're open and we've got gin and in eight years we'll have whiskey i was like all right sure so yeah so he grabs the gin mill and they're like they're telling him like hey calm down and he throws it to the floor and he breaks it pretty much instantly and (laughs) so they get like a sack and they threw it over his body and they just like legit boot him out the door (laughs) and uh you get that like i thought he'd never leave but i think this is just i'm surprised they weren't more angry because i can only assume like what is your access to get a new gin mill in your uh in korea i don't think it was so broken it was unfixable though i mean they probably built it by parts of stuff that was around so they probably have the same stuff it looked more it also looked like he slammed it down and it just came apart i don't think i don't know if anything broke might have ruined a whole batch of gin that's likely it's funny because my first thought was how are they going to get people drunk at this mixer now (laughs) a bunch of surgeons went blind (laughs) i know right right? no i was gonna say with the with the parts they can order it because they're a hospital like the army isn't going to be like no hospital you can't have these why are they wasting time on gin when they could they have a whole bunch of morphine (laughs) getting (laughs) fucked up uh so now we cut to them back in Blake's office and he tells them that you know as a result of what they did to Frank he has to withdraw the passes and he's canceling the raffle and the whole party in general which seems I don't know like a big punishment for just putting a sack over him and like kicking him in the butt you know like they didn't do anything that that terrible but I wonder if he told on them they were trying to rob me or something yeah, yeah. this is just like act to this dude it's act 5000 you know what I mean and that's the last one to like make him go over the edge I, I think we sort of get the idea that like they just constantly fuck with this dude and he's kind of a total knob and this is um this is Jim making Dwight's ID gigantic and having yes. so his middle name is fart <laughs> so you know he is it the worst thing he did to him no but is it the one that makes him snap absolutely and uh you know but blake tells him kind of on the side too that he's he was a little upset anyways because he has to leave for a few days and he was gonna have to miss the party so it almost seemed like he was he wouldn't have canceled it if he was in town but the fact that he's not going to be there made it a little bit easier for him to make that decision see i thought he was canceling it because it was his duty but he was giving him the wink wink nudge nudge i'm not gonna be here so do what you want because they seemed close when they were talking earlier i think they are fairly close i didn't get that 
that vibe that he was kind of like telling them to do it anyways because his fear is that he's gonna have to answer to the general and with frank still being there i think it would have been tough for them to still go forward with everything he did revoke the passes he didn't have to do that if he was trying to you know secretly let it happen i like ferg's idea though i think that'd be a good plot point if they were he was like i'm leaving for two days so that i can't be held accountable for this because i know what you're gonna do you'll find any way to make this happen so it's not on my ass if i'm not here i mean where did radar get the passes that he shows up with later he had to have gotten from him who he works right under he told him exactly how he got yeah, it. he told him how that. he did it he makes them sign them because he tricks him into thinking it's something else yeah oh, so yeah. that that's kind of what it happens that's right, right here right. because now it cuts to them like the big send-off because he's uh, about to take the helicopter to like leave for a few days. And as everyone's waving, that's when Radar shows up and gives Hawkeye those weekend passes. And he said that he basically was able to have Blake sign him thinking that he was ordering a ton of ice cream. That seemed like a weird way to go. Like, why did he order a ton of ice cream? Like, were they having like an ice cream, an ice cream social? <laughs> I would love to see the scene later. Hey, where's my ice cream? <laughs> he comes back. He's like, it was a long two days and I'd love a bowl of fudge ripple. Like, oh, sorry about that. How about some gin? The ice cream thing seemed weird, but the idea that Radar could like outsmart Blake didn't because he's always a step ahead of him and it's kind of confusing him at times. So I can see how it flustered in the moment. He's like, oh, you're going to sign this for this and then that and that. And he just like, you know, okay, whatever. And just signs it quick. Doesn't even read it. He doesn't seem like he's exactly on the ball. I just think that radar is so far ahead that it's like, it's it's like, it'll spin your brain around. Nah, he doesn't seem to, you can kind of tell like who are career people and who are kind of just drafted, right? Like there's a stark difference in demeanor and characters like Poulahan, Frank, Hawkeye, Trapper John. On this guy, I forget his name. I'm a Colonel Potter guy. Blake. Uh, Blake, yeah. You can just kind of tell their demeanor that these guys were drafted, so I don't care. Do whatever you want. It's yeah, but not- he's a, he is a higher ranking official, so he he is moving up within what's going on there. I mean, that's true, but it doesn't mean that he has to, he, he has to care. Yeah, I guess he's got to interview well. Um. So yeah, so now as the helicopter takes off, we hear over the loudspeaker, you know, attention all personnel, both day and night shifts, will be confined to duty in the admitting ward tomorrow night. All other activities are canceled. There will be no exceptions by order of acting commanding officer, Major Frank Burns. So now that uh, Blake's away, Frank is actually the guy in charge. He knew about the party. So to ensure that the party doesn't happen, he set this up. So everyone had to be busy at that point in time. An evil plan. <laughs> and uh, there is like a little kind of weird, as this is being announced, you see Frank kind of walking along and a uh, few of them like Hawkeye and Travis John and a couple others are standing up top of like a hill. And when the announcement's made, Hawkeye picks up like a rock <laughs> and uh, you see Frank at the bottom nervous that he's going to throw it at him, but instead he throws it at the loudspeaker, which kind of shuts it off. It's kind of a Fonz move. Yeah, a bit of that. Hey. But this wasn't happening in the female washroom or whatever. It's not in the women's room of the fucking uh, Arnold sewer swamp room or whatever they live in. I mean, it's only kind of one step away from that. So now we're back in the mobile hospital and Hawkeye is checking up on someone as Frank walks in and he calls Frank over to check something out. And when Frank leans over uh, to like check on this patient, someone gets a needle and like pulls it out and sticks a shot in Frank's ass, which immediately puts him in like this trance like 
like state where he can't speak and he's like just making like noises like huh huh and like they lift him up and bring him into another bed and start like bandaging his face which at the time seemed unnecessary but it does kind of come into play later it does come into play but at first i was just like are they just making him dark man (laughs) (laughs) i know frank i know (laughs) <laughs> it seems uh it seems a little see the dancing freak <laughs> yes see the bandaging seemed a little like overkill like they, they didn't need to to cover his whole face and his eyes and everything has anybody ever had their head bandaged like that before because i have and it's not fun i have not please do, elaborate yeah. <laughs> you know this is so stupid i was like six or something you know like on a chain link fence on the gate there's like the little latch hook that's like a u that comes yeah down. so i was running to get a ball down my driveway when i was a kid and it was down and i just ran straight into it and like split my head wide open oh that explains it and they, they had to bandage your whole face for that well they did like all of my head like up to here and then like the round part oh yeah so i was like i had like this much of me i could vogue and that was pretty much <laughs> all i could do at the time but uh yeah i remember my parents calling me gi joe making fun of me which also does not help any of my mental shit that i have going on <laughs> but yeah not a not a fun experience i hadn't thought about that in a long time you could say it gave you a splitting headache <laughs> yes, Gordo. Like your punchlines, you have such a you like going to radio voice. Yeah, he turns into like Tom Bergeron when he gives yeah. a shitty joke. You can give you a splitting headache. Ha <laughs> 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 Yeah, you sort of sound like Don Pardo from like '90s SNL, like musical guest Sting, <laughs> Chris Kattan, <Yeah>. Booger, <laughs> and your host John Goodman. <laughs> oh shit. I thought I muted my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. I didn't mute my mic. It hurts my voice to do that. Your uh, your radio voice hurts? It it doesn't hurt, but it makes me cough. Now you sound like Tazon Day. Chocolate rain. Chocolate rain. (laughs) Spewing poopy down my face again. Chocolate rain. (laughs) Gonna take a dookie once again. So, all right. So <laughs> Hawkeye orders that he's uh, sedated every hour on the hour. And uh, my only thing with that was, won't he still eventually rat him out, though? Like, so even if they get away with all this for now, there's going to be a point, like, they're not sedating Frank forever. So you can't just, uh, yeah. like, drug him until yeah. the end of time. There's going to be a point where, like, the lieutenant's back. There's not much foresight in this plan. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll be so drugged they can convince him that something else happened to him. Or he was at the party and got way too drunk. Some, some MacGuffin, like. He doesn't know what got him in that state, right? It all happened so quick, but. That, that's just me trying to put logic to something yeah, with no logic. So, so the idea would be he would have to not know what happened to him, and then they have to keep him out so long that the party happens and is like cleaned up after that he'll never even know that that it ever happened. Well, maybe like after they like they put him in like a bed with like a farm animal, and then he wakes up and like thinks he like fucked like a pig, and then what? it's like <laughs> he's not gonna tell anyone that story. I then guess. he's the guy that fucked a pig. <laughs> <laughs> What? What are you going to believe, pig fucker over there? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how the Korean War was won. Yeah. But, but yeah, and even that, or Margaret, just in general, like, could have said something, but, it, and we'll see her kind of 
unveil all the situation as it comes because she is involved in what's going on and trying to find frank but uh now the party's underway and you see everybody walking in and some people were dressed so strange that i couldn't tell if it was intentionally a costume party or not but i think maybe they were just kind of wearing whatever odd items that they've bought since getting to korea like cowboy hats yeah like some of them had like some of them had like dresses over there like army clothes and stuff and yeah some had cowboy hats they had a lay on a few of them had lays on i'd say that some of them were gonna get laid gonna get laid (laughs) dennis miller Chris Elliott. <laughs> oh, I love Chris Elliott. My favorite SNL sketch of all time. This Dima tastes like candy. <laughs> so, uh, so Hawkeye and Lieutenant Dish walk up to the bar area, and it looks like Hojon is kind of like the bartender for this party, and he hands them both a glass of what I assume is the gin that they distill there. And Dish tells Hawkeye she doesn't know how he's going to get her out of going away with the winner, but also has a feeling that he's going to be the one who wins. So she does suspect that he. He's got this under control because uh, she doesn't want to just go on a date with some creep for a couple days in Japan when she's expected to fuck him. And right around here, Margaret storms in looking for Frank, who's now been missing for hours. And they're like, oh, you haven't heard? Frank's gone. He went over to the enemy. They offered him a hundred more a week and royalty on bedpans. <laughs> and she says, you know, when she finds him, you know, Hawkeye is going to be arrested. And then Hawkeye tells her that he kind of has some intel that there's this situation that happened with some Canadians that had been attacked. And by midnight, they're all going to be flooding into their area. And, you know, if he's arrested, he's not going to be able to help. So he feels like he has a bit of immunity here. And this definitely does come into play later in the episode. But right here, it's this to me was like, though, oh, this is why he's so cocky all the time. He's clearly so needed that he feels like he can get away with whatever he wants. And he can. He's not there by choice. He's forced. (laughs) And we do see more of that later. But at this point of the episode, it became very clear. Like, this is why he has, like, no respect of the ranking system you know what this honestly reminded me of was house like house i, I swear is, to god i was gonna say the same thing i was waiting for one of you to bring up that he was drinking i was just say well house is always on yeah he's a treacherous dick but he is so good at what he does they cannot afford to ha- not have him around so and cocky and overly sexual right and... yeah exactly no does this ever backfire on hawkeye like he goes really far one day and he's like that doesn't matter i'll do whatever i want and then once that next platoon and the dead kids comes in we'll be all set and they'll be like slow day in korea <laughs> he's like oh, i can really use some dead kids right now i mean all that needs slow to happen is to have that korea. one girl he hit on too many times just like break his hand <laughs> and then he can't do anything you know just, like poke him in the eye <laughs> <laughs> so basically he's one three stooges gag away from not being needed in this hospital yep. anymore if there's a seltzer bottle anywhere near you better stay away from it who are all of your favorite stooges you got a favorite uh one of the stooges curly will sasso (laughs) (laughs) i've always been a shemp guy i was gonna say the same thing the two of you being shemp guys i could have bet money on it is so fucking the contrarian thing to be you're both like that 
Shemp. Fuck off. Shemp. Shemp. I was going to announce it as you want to hear the most J answer you'll get is me saying that it's Shemp because it's like just like unconventional. Yeah, because Shemp is the crispix of Three Stooges. Yeah. No, he was he was like the he founder. Was the original. He came before. Yeah. The, he's Mo's yeah, brother. He's brother. Yeah. I like Larry. I know. I just think Carly. I'm a Mo man. Hans Mo. Hans Mo man. Good Mo man to you. Good Mo man to you. I say that to my dog every morning. Good Mo man to you. I'm only 35 years old. <laughs> A lot of Simpsons tonight. <laughs> a lot of episodes. And if you want to hear us talk about the Simpsons in uh, in extended form, uh, go back into the archives. We did do a Simpsons episode for Christmas time. Yeah, our Christmas episode. So then um, we see Margaret off somewhere on the phone asking to get General Hammond on the phone. And when they cut to Hammond being told, like he's like sitting at like dinner or something, and he's being told that she's on the line, and he gets excited, and it cuts to the scene of them like from the past in some hospital that they were working in, and they just start hooking up. So this is why she's kind of so confident that she can get these guys in trouble. She has a bit of a, a history with the general. I thought it was I thought it was strange to have a cutaway, a flashback within a cutaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> That is strange. Yeah, I didn't think about it, though. How many devices can we shove into this one scene? <laughs> How many times can we make everybody forget some of the repulsive words we've said 10 minutes ago? It does. It, it says a lot, though, about all the characters, right? Because now we think of Margaret as one of the, I don't want to say good ones, but one of the more wholesome ones, right? She's the one who's reading the Bible and doesn't like seeing all these wild activities. And we have the general. And then you look at them and like, they're just as bad as everybody else. You know, they, they got their own things going on. Yeah, she's a hypocrite. And, you know, from there we cut back and forth with like shots of the party and then also shots of Margaret looking around uh, with a flashlight trying to find Frank. And um, she does eventually end up in that unit that he's in and she shines the light like over over him, but his face is covered with the bandages. So I, I maybe that did buy a little bit of time. I think maybe that's where that came into play that they were hiding his face in case someone was looking for him. Yeah, that was the reason. Yeah. Which makes sense because you don't think of why they're doing it at first and then you're like, oh, that's actually kind of smart. It's not just Dark Man. She also takes the needle out to give him the the next shot because that's on its medical records and then she realizes it's him and stops so yeah they even make a chart for him to get that once an hour you know what's funny is uh i didn't really pick up on that when that happened like i was watching and i was a little confused by what i was seeing and that makes so much sense it, it just kind of escaped me at the time because yeah, it'll keep him whoever's doing the rounds will just think he's some soldier yeah until like hawkeye forgets that he even did this and this guy's just being shot up and like put in a sedated state for months on end this is a rotating like just getting shot after shot and then how does she come to realize that it actually is frank because she pulled his pants down because she recognizes his cock <laughs> what's going on now that's where i got a real good genuine laugh there i guess i missed that <laughs> <laughs> I I I caught that, but I I I guess I thought maybe just his butt. <laughs> no, she no. was like, "Oh, that's my cock. I know what's up." There's my cock. <laughs> There's my boobs. <laughs> you want my cold dead body? Stop it. <laughs> there it is. I haven't trim spot in a long time. She's fantastic. Jeez. Uh, so so we're back at the party and Hawkeye stands up on like something just to address everybody and announces that because of everybody's generosity and thirst, they managed to raise $1,800 for Hojon's college career. Um. So he says it's off to a flying start. And then <laughs> Hojon jumps up and he's like go team fight team yeah team <laughs> what the stereotypical foreign character yeah it's how they wrote them back then <laughs> like um what's his name indiana jones his little sidekick it's that jones it's like how they wrote yeah, everybody back then yeah it's it's, it's a definitely just a, a trope of back then where it's like or data <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, even if you go into even other war thing, right? Even if you go into um, as like a language barrier joke, they still do. Because if you go into Saving Private Ryan, which was way more modern, there's the German soldier they catch. And he doesn't know what to do, and the only words he can say in English, he's like, "Oh, Betty Boop, what a dish!" Right? Like this is very much like <laughs> yeah. a, even a trope still. Gordo, seeing where you know the show a little bit better than the rest of us, uh, you know, I don't like to go into future episodes much, but out of curiosity, someone like Hojan, does he get more dialogue down the line, or is he always kind of limited? to like these quick one-line things or does he go to america so i so he's definitely not in later seasons okay because he's in medical school yeah so he's definitely in medical school uh as far as the first season because like i said i don't i don't generally not to say anything but i don't generally like ones with colonel blake i generally tend to skip them because i think he's only there for like the first couple of seasons and the, the first season is a little short um but i don't like him i like colonel potter but i don't remember seeing Hojon in any other episode. Okay. So. Because in this episode, he, he has his go team line and he has hot, hot dog. dog. And that's, I think that's the only yeah, time he speaks. I don't, I don't recall seeing him in any other episode. I wonder if he's there as an ex, like to take away from the terrible deeds they're doing. It's like, wow, these people are pieces of shit, but look how they're helping this nice boy. Yeah, like, they're doing one nice <laughs> thing over here. It's good though, because you can't have a kid that young be on a show that goes for 11 years and still be playing the, that's like a real like we left Kevin home alone. And he's only thirty five. Uh. <laughs> so he appeared in seven episodes. Okay, so just just this first season, he's in. I assume, right? I believe so. Yes. So this show lasted for eleven seasons, and in the first season, they fired the black and Korean actors from the cast before the season was even over. Hey, they wrote off the Korean guy. Sorry, they wrote <laughs> off the Korean guy. They probably just never even mentioned what they did to the black guy. Wowza. So hold on. So this show was shot in what? 1972, correct? Yeah. Yes. Ho John was 30 years old. In real life. In real life. He oh, in this episode, in, he was 30. Wow. Yes. He was born August 2nd, 1942. Well, he's wow. supposed to probably be what? Like 18? Maybe he's, Yeah. He's, he's trying yeah. to get into college. Yeah. Yeah, but he's 30. He does look young. I, I wouldn't have pegged him for 30. For sure. Good genes, yeah. Is he still alive? Because what would that put him now? Uh, that would... 80 years old? Suck that. It yeah. doesn't say he's dead Good on IMDb. He'd be, yeah, he'd be Just, right around... He'd be 80, 80 years old this year, yeah. Yeah, no. And he's from he's from Manila, Manila, hmm. Philippines. That's where they make the envelopes. Yeah. He's divorced uh, to Lonnie Aww. Ackerson. So. Oh, come on, Lonnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was no other person. I, I say that, and, and, then, and then you then you read up on it, and you find out he did something unspeakable, and then, and then we're just sitting here defending him because we saw him on a TV show for thirty minutes. Or she does, or it's like she tied him up and like put cigarettes out on him for ten years, and he couldn't get out. She hobbled him like in misery. What? <laughs> yeah, the the cause of most divorces. Uh, it happens. Situations. Why does your brain go to these places? I'm going to hit my head that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. First, yeah, Joe hit his head when he was six. Second, Joe's the only person on here who willingly had someone burn him with a cigarette before. <laughs> that was specific, and that was not weird or sexual. It wasn't sexual. Oh, it was weird, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think it's story time for the readers. Oh, I don't think it's a very interesting story. We don't also have readers either. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've teased it now. If you want to get into that, it's a, the 10-second story. You might as well. Sure, yeah. So just uh, without giving too much back detail, there is a stupid punk thing from the band The Germs, where they burn you on the wrist with a cigarette and it's supposed to be like a sort of cult thing where everybody is part of the same group 
and then I convinced one of them to do that to me. But on his uh, nipple. Very, very drunk, and it burned me so bad that my arm or my wrist was, like, shooting pus out of it. And I was very drunk on Ew. the train home on a Friday after a Red Sox game, and people were giving me all the space in the world I needed because I was stumble bum drunk and <laughs> shooting pus all over the place, and nobody wanted to bother me. What? Is the scar visible still? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Show it. It's on his body camp. I don't think you can see it on here, but I can take a picture if you want. Hold on. It's hard to get your wrist around. Yeah, there. I don't know how well it will translate yeah, into no, a webcam. Not gonna work. Yeah, you really can't tell. I'll show you in a picture. And you know who won't be able to tell? The people listening to us right, <laughs> right. now. So Maybe we could put it on our Instagram. We could potentially if uh, if we remember to. Uh, S1E1Pod on Instagram. Uh, keep an eye out. It might be in the stories. So uh, now it's time to finally announce the winner uh, of this raffle. So he calls Lieutenant Dish up to uh, help him pick the winning ticket from the bowl. So when you see your reach in the bowl, you see that there's a ticket at the bottom that's taped uh, on. So that's the one that she could fish for and then reach out, which was uh, clever because no one's going to catch that from a, you know, from a safe distance. And now they announced the winner is Father John P. Mulcahy. Yeah, Mulcahy. Yeah, Mulcahy. And uh, I was surprised by, by that because I thought for sure the whole reason of the set, especially where they made it a point to show you that it was yeah. rigged, was to have Hawkeye win. But uh, I guess the theory would just be maybe it was too obvious that if Hawkeye won, so he picked the priest because he wouldn't try anything. Yeah, it's super smart. It's how he probably convinced her to agree to it by saying it would be the priest. Yeah, I'll get the one guy who's not going to try to sleep with you. Yeah, because even when they announced his name, he looked like nervous and shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like he just really just wanted to donate to the cause. He didn't actually want this trip. It's smart. Yes, it, it was. It was like the perfect. Uh, and it was a nice just it wasn't the obvious answer. So it's always nice when those things happen in episodes. It just shows how smooth Hawkeye is. Well, I was going to say either he's going to give up his trip or, you know, she's just going to go away with the That's priest. true too. He might be able to m- manipulate it so um, the priest gifts him his the opportunity to go. Maybe he has no interest in going to Japan. Yeah, yeah, because he's got to be there. He offered him a night with Hojo instead. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so at this point, after the announcement, we hear the Tan Hut, and this is when General Hammond and Lieutenant Colonel Blake walk in, and the general's like, do I understand that the priest of this outfit has just won a weekend with a nurse in Tokyo? (laughs) And Hawkeye's like, it's a prayer come true. (laughs) No, John's like, I'm not a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, the, the general asks Hawkeye who he is, and after he introduces himself, he asks the general who he is and he tells Hawkeye what do you think the star means the star that was like on like his shoulder like I don't I'm not too familiar with a lot of how military attire goes that's a general yeah well I yeah obviously yeah but the answer he gets back from Hawkeye is your Tinkerbell so Blake steps in and announces who the general is and Hawkeye just goes like oh hi (laughs) again he has no uh, fear of authority no respect for the ranking system he's just there and I guess because he knows where he sits as far as surgery goes he fears like no repercussions for anything he does so knowing knowing it was a general didn't matter to him suspension of disbelief that's only going to get you so far where you can't keep disrespecting higher officers and keep doing all the stuff he does this could also backfire on too where they're like okay buddy well guess what you're gonna go in the brig until we need you for surgery and when the surgery is done you're back in the brig so now your life is prison and surgery right like that could be a punishment that way you know 
Yeah, so General Hammond tells Hawkeye and Trapper John that they're both under arrest. Trapper says he'd like to get a second opinion on that, and um, we find out that they're being arrested for breaking orders and handing out unauthorized passes, but again, these two seem completely unfazed. Like, they already know that they're not going to get in trouble. And this is when uh, Margaret and Frank walk in. Frank walks in, like, he can walk, but he's still, like, off and can't seem to speak, and he's still half-bandaged over his face. And uh, you get Hawkeye saying, the mummy strikes. Pretty good. And this is when she sees uh, the general and goes, Hamilton? But his, I don't think his name, I tried looking up. I don't think his name was Hamilton unless something changed. But uh, but he goes, hot lips? And then uh, the, the two look at each other and go, hot lips? So that was already your nickname. But now they know that that nickname precedes her being there. Now, do they say it before? See, I knew the name of the character. He calls her hot lips. He calls her hot lips once when she approaches him looking for Frank. Okay. He calls her hot lips once. And the hot lips in the movie is uh, Sally Kellerman, who just died, but she's um, Roddy Dangerfield's girlfriend in Back to School. Oh, oh, oh nice. Yeah. I would have never known by the name, so thank you for that. I figured, yeah. But I always think, uh, whatever I think of her, I don't think of MASH. I think of Back to School, because of course. Because <laughs> of Roddy Because of the triple Lindy. Uh, hot lips then says that uh, those two, they're ruining the war for all of us. Like, war is supposed to be a fun time for everybody. You know, fun war. And uh, the general tells the two that, you know, they're going to be court uh what is it court um court martialed court martialed and uh that they're going to be staying at the location that they're at and this is where they're going to serve their time and they're like yeah that's a good idea but like we can't do that and you hear the sound of helicopters behind them and they inform the general about that situation with the canadians no doesn't radar say they're coming you don't hear the helicopter i think radar does say he announces it but then you hear it right after yeah there's like a beat and then you hear it yeah it was one of those situations again where he just heard it ahead of time but you did eventually hear it but yeah no they they tell him about um the canadian situation and says that you know there's going to be a lot of people that are on their way and if they're under arrest they're going to be unable to help them and um a lot of those people aren't going to make it without their abilities in the extra hands let us go or let these people die that's kind of fucked up no it's well kind of genius though leverage it's not let it but it is the people will die he's telling them ahead of time like so in a way if he if they don't do that then yes they they, the people would have died regardless well you put them kind of in almost i don't know is that a war crime territory if you just let the people die well no it's not like they'd let him die if they're if they're locked up well no right like it's 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 they made themselves the only available doctors by drugging the other surgeon so he couldn't have helped <laughs> we need to do a crossover episode where we do the first episode of jag as well so we understand how the court martial process works. well i think the the issue here is that it's not so much where they rank as far as how good they are at their job it's more they need all hands on deck and they can't afford to take two people out of the operation regardless of who they are but yeah, I mean, the general's in a tough situation right now, right? Yeah, because I mean, it's only really the, you only really see Hawkeye, um, Trapper John, Frank, Potter, and that's it. Those are the doctors. You don't really see any other people do performing the surgery. You know, Houlihan is a nurse, and all the other people are, are nurses or orderlies or some kind of support staff. So you just took out half of your surgeons at a field hospital. I don't, I, I don't, uh, again, I'm not too aware of a lot of the inner workings of the military so like to see that this whole unit like from the general down because even the general's a surgeon so like you know um the lieutenant colonel same thing it's like they're all surgeons the whole way down and like doctors and they're all involved in that field it's not like you just happen to be a doctor within the ward and i don't know if that's how it always works but this whole medical unit
unit is, uh, you know, educated in that field from the top down because they're asking him, you know, like, how are your hands? And they raise his hand up to see, like, you know, as if to say, like, can you assist us in all this? What's going to happen? But then there's that they they raise his hand and they go, dirty nails. Come on. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for the Blazing Saddles joke where he's like, steady as a rock. He's like, yeah, but I shoot with this one. <laughs> and uh, they do say, you know, you can put us in the clink after. So we get to another um, hospital scene where they're all working on the patients. Now they're all back like in their white scrubs and stuff with the face masks. It is pretty busy. So it's all hands on deck. It was a a big incident that happened. And after a few moments of that, we see um, it must be the following morning. And the general and the lieutenant colonel are heading outside together after like a long night of surgery. And the general says, well, you know, well, I haven't put a stretch like that in for years. And we get another radar popping up behind Blake out of nowhere. And it's like the, yes, sir, I've already. Uh, alerted the general's pilot he's ready to take off and that's when Blake says to him now I want you to alert the general's pilot to be ready to take off at any time that's an order so um, radar yeah again we don't know exactly what it is if it's intended to be somewhat supernatural or what but he is always a step ahead he's from the future a hundred years in the future maybe yeah he he came from 2050 to go back in time yeah imagine being like it's the year 2050 and I'm gonna use my powers to go be a surgeon in the Korean war of 1950 well sometimes you don't get to pick i guess that's true where you end up this could be a punishment so uh yeah so the general says to blake you know those two maniacs are the best surgeons i've ever seen those two maniacs are the best surgeon i've ever seen he really chews up the scenery he says it and uh he says that um that they made him feel like a horse doctor so uh make sure you don't lose them not even for me so the, the not even for me does that mean like don't even let me take them to be on my own whatever but correct yeah, don't let don't let me pull them away to my unit. Please. And we get another uh, radar gag where um, Blake finds out that the general's already ready to leave right now. He's like, "Oh, I was going to get you a box," and Radar already has the box ready of um, the general's favorite cigars. Any of you uh, enjoy an occasional cigar? I do. They make me sick as fuck. Like I cannot smoke cigars. It immediately gives me like this crazy nicotine high. It's terrible, and they taste awful. They smell awful. I don't, and I never understood the appeal. Uh, I know a lot of people are into them, but cigars are not my game at all. As a smoker, I anytime I try one, inevitably at some point I inhale a drag. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the problem too. Yeah. Your brain just thinks you're smoking a cigarette, and then you just want to die. So I, I just can't do it. I'm trying to quit smoking as it is, but you also <laughs> taste it a lot longer than like you would have said. That's yeah. my thing. So I, so I've been, I quit smoking cigarettes forever ago, and then I've been off nicotine as a whole for a long time. But there was a point in time in our like young 20s for a minute where i did enjoy an occasional cigar and i think just one day i was like you know what i actually don't like this because they just um they're so hot you know especially when you get to that second half everything about it yeah it's like it's really oppressive it's not an enjoyable situation and yeah. the, that taste just i'm the only one that likes it i used to but not anymore yeah i used to like it there was a point where i did enjoy a cigar from time to time when you did smoke cigars what kind did you like to smoke um i would just i don't know shit about them so like i would just like if it cost 15 or 20 dollars like this must not be terrible okay. right hey yeah. jay before you went out and lit up did you go cigar <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, only smoke cigars uniform, and you beat me to it. Uh, in honor of one of the greatest racehorses of all time, cigar jockeyed by Jerry Bailey. Uh, but no, um, 
I don't know the, the, that taste though. It stays in your mouth for so long. I don't it's know, cigars and c- cigars, Scotch and Taco Bell. Somehow you just can't get rid of those tastes in your mouth for like two days at a time. I remember I, I had a Cuban when we went to um, what was it Dominican Republic, and I remember waking up the next day still tasting it. I'm like, oh god. That's my thing with it is that you can't shake that taste. So if you, even if you enjoy it in the moment, a few hours later when I'm trying to eat dinner and I just taste like ash in my mouth, like I'm like I'm <laughs> over this. That's why you need to do it at night. To I ruin did it breakfast. at night and woke up tasting <laughs> yeah. it the next day. So you can hate your eggs instead of your meatballs. It just depends on what meal you want to ruin. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. I'm a I'm a Drew Estate acid cigar blondie guy. They're they're like eight dollar, like eight eight to ten dollar cigars. Nothing nothing crazy. I just smoke Philly blunts. Like I don't make blunts with them. I just smoke them. If they tasted as good as they smelled, then I would be <laughs> yeah. all about them. They smell so good. They're like the uh, bar s of cigars. <laughs> <laughs> There's fish them yeah. and i'll say um i did used to enjoy like those cigarellos the um the al capones I, I towards the end of my smoking run uh was smoking those for a little while that's a good point actually you know what i didn't hate was uh it's also not their intended purpose they're meant for weed but backwards like those like hastily rolled ones no if you ask the company backwards what their intent is of the company it's not for weed it just becomes that and they accept it well yeah i mean that's a- any of them really but uh they were i would i would smoke those when I played poker, they weren't like overly harsh or anything, and they and they, ta- they do taste really good. That's why I like the Al Capones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the Al Capones were like because they're smaller, they're more uh, cigarette sized. They don't get super hot like a cigar gets. So you don't. That's the part I don't like yeah. when it's like overly hot like that. A big fat like I'm at the track cigar will increase your body temperature by like a good forty five degrees. It is so awful. So smoke it and talk all old timey though. That's true. <laughs> it's important. I'm going to get us some bubblegum ones for an episode that we just do an all-timey episode. A couple weeks ago, um, I was in D.C. for a minute, and we you know, went up to say hi to Big Lincoln. And uh, when we got to the monument, we're walking around, and like right at the base of it, there was a ton of like half-smoked cigars like all over the ground. It was like, what like guys just were like, let's go to Lincoln Memorial to smoke cigars, because there was just like a ton of them just all over the ground. I was like, what is this? I'm not saying nobody cares, but most people that care are like old people that go all the time. Time, that's who smoke cigars and they don't give a fuck throw that shit anyway nice day you're sitting on the steps with abe <laughs> this one's for you um but yeah so after the general walks off hawkeye and trapper john walk out handcuffed to each other and like hey where are you going we're all set i thought that was funny yeah that was funny yeah i do also like too that they both try to walk in different directions and get the classic like as they get pulled into each other because yeah. they were told um he was too impressed to have you arrested and uh yeah they, they get the, into this conversation as they're walking by like ah we did it again we screwed up in reverse and uh like you know playing it off like they wanted to get arrested because they're just trying to get out of there i do love that expression though screwed up in reverse and uh yeah it's like the it's like the failing upwards right yeah and uh um that's it pretty much right yeah i mean that was basically the end of it other than that it was just like you get the shot of them walking off together and and the helicopter shot we were talking about before that's just so cool they meet up with two girls and then like the girls like both fork off in different directions but because they're handcuffed yeah they're stuck but then as you watch the helicopter shot that kind of shows you the whole set they run into two other girls anyway so i guess but yeah that it was it wasn't really anything there it was just kind of the the fade off in a conversation the dialogue didn't really matter at this point and then there's the weird roll call that was so weird yeah Yeah, that was very expected that at the beginning if anything it was the way it was done so the episode concludes and then you get um like the still shot at first of 
the loudspeaker and the voice of the loudspeaker is announcing everyone like that was doing a roll call of everyone on the cast but announcing their actual names to like 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 a like a credit scene would have but to hear their their real names being vocalized like that on a show is very different than i think anything i've ever seen on any kind of thing they used to do before the show for the studio audience yeah when they'd all come out it's weird to do it at the end of the show and on like video like and actually air it although i say i've never heard anything like that remotely but uh like an hour ago we're all doing the snl thing so i guess that's the only other time where you hear the actual actors names being announced uh like that it's different that's a variety show john lovitz i don't know if you guys are like big into war movies or anything i really love war stuff uh, but in the dirty dozen which is a pretty famous classic movie right when they go through the actual dozen guys and explain who they are and what they do it's very similar to this scene and that was that movie was probably i don't know eight years before this so i wonder if there's even like a little bit of uh probably not intentional but like just sunk into their brain from seeing that when they wrote this yeah it could be a little bit of that in there i mean this is kind of a parody in a way of war and it's showing that there is kind of a funny side not like slapstick sort of like Hogan's Heroes or something, but, you know, it's a comical take on war, but a realistically comical take on war. It almost feels a little bit like The Great Escape, where The Great Escape has a big ensemble cast and it's funny, but then there's also the high stakes part of they're trying to escape and people are getting killed. So there's like weird levity to it as well. So, But again, there's so much of this stuff happening at the time, right? Like this is an age of a lot of war TV shows, a lot of war movies, and we're only, we're in a war currently, you know, you're in Vietnam, you're 10 years from Korea and 20 years from, you know, World War Two and 40 from World War One. Like, it's just so present in the culture at the time. Yeah. So um, with all that being said, I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to touch on in regards to the show. I don't have a lot else because I don't know much about the show because it's the first time I've seen it. Um, but if, if no one else has anything to say, we'll go to the green light or cancel. Anybody? Uh, one thing. This, the not so much about the pilot, but the finale of this show was one of the most watched television, one of the most watched television episodes of all time. Was everyone just dying to see it end? No, it was an insanely popular show. <laughs> yeah, it, know, it, show, shows, yeah, it shows them going to 11 seasons if no one likes it. We've seen that before, too. Like when we when Seinfeld, the last episode of Seinfeld, where people were in Times Square watching it on yeah. the big screen. I feel like MASH was very famous. Imagine waiting that, outside you know? all day to be that disappointed. Yeah, I hope the last episode of MASH is better than the last episode of Seinfeld. And I love Seinfeld. No, Ma- MASH is, is beloved. And we're going to get yeah. a lot of shit for bashing it as much as we have. I don't think we're going to because we're not bashing the show we're bashing this episode and this episode has a lot to ask to answer for you know what i mean <laughs> and i wouldn't even say we're bashing like the episode as a whole just some of the more outdated things that just don't work modern day anymore it wasn't really a bash on the like if we were analyzing that in 1972 versus in 2022 it just um some of those things just changed a little bit yeah true well then i think that's it that's all i got yeah, yeah. So, all right so let's get uh, right into the green ladder cancel i'll go in the order i see you in which typically is the order at which we join the zoom call so gordo starting with you uh i'm going to green light it uh as i said this is one of my favorite shows of all time uh there is and i'm not looking ahead and being in and using my bias of the show for this i think it's a generally a smart sitcom and there's enough there that's serious and there's enough comedy there that just makes you intrigued and want to see more so generally that's my that's my reason for uh green lighting this so green light from me nick 
I know this show gets better. I've seen episodes, you know, down the line. How could you not? Well, Jay didn't, which is strange to me. But um, I, I know it does get better. It lasted a long time. This pilot really did not do it for me, though. Um, I found myself, like, overwhelmed by the amount of characters. And uh, you just kind of get thrown into it. There, were, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are obvious funny aspects of this show that I did enjoy. It's not, you know, a garbage show by any means. But at the end of this episode, I really didn't feel um, enticed to keep watching for one I for one reason or the other I was kind of on the fence about this one green light or cancel uh, but at the end of it I kind of just had to lead towards cancel I, I, I would say most of that is just from the age of the show not translating very well today um, and getting to know the characters more helps it which you don't really get to do in the first episode of any show I'm sure if I kept watching I would get more attached to it but as the first episode alone stands I am canceling it I did not have a ton of <clears throat> excuse me I did not have a ton of fun watching it Berg yeah it's gonna be a cancel from me as well um show brought me no joy whatsoever um i was bored for most of it um i try to you know give stuff the benefit of the doubt different time stuff like that but i just i didn't like it and it's a rare show that it ended and i had zero urge to continue on and i've watched like the bad shows (laughs) continued on i finished uh country comfort it's just I didn't like it when I was a kid, and I thought maybe as an adult I would, and no, it's still boring. So, yeah, cancel for me. Joe. I'm with Nick on this one. Um, It's hard to not remember the episodes I've seen, and I do like those episodes, right? And I love stuff of this generation. I love old war stuff. It's really right in my wheelhouse. And this is not based on MASH as a whole, but I just can't greenlight a show where they offer to sell a guy named I just can't do it. I've gotta I gotta not greenlight this one. That was fucking wild and I'm still laughing about how insane that was. Well, um, so my vote is pointless because <laughs> we are already uh, at three no's, but um, I'm actually with Gordo. I'm, I'm going to green light this one. And um, I walked in. I knew nothing. I mean, I knew how big this show was, right? But I knew nothing of it. I didn't know how it was formatted, anything like that, the the general humor of it. Uh, there's a couple things that as we started the green light or cancel process, I, I wish I brought up earlier, like throughout the episode. First of which, uh, I really love the way it was shot. I thought it was shot really nice. Visually, great. I think for a pilot episode, the this show seemed so put together already and so like everyone was in their place. I was very um, impressed by that. It, it really didn't feel like a, the first episode of a show. And I'm someone who I do not have a lot of interest in history and um, like timepiece stuff. I'm not big on war stuff at all. And uh, this did, it, it captured my interest. And I think that's because of what I said earlier, by using the medical unit aspect of it and focusing on the fact that it's all more hospital-based and not so much combat-based really kept me more interested because it didn't feel too um, military for me. But um, I don't know, having never seen it and seeing this episode for the first time, it just wasn't what I expected to see. But I was um, I was entertained watching it. I thought there were some funny lines. And um, I think it's an easy watch. I could, if this was one of those Nick at Night type shows when we were kids, I could have seen myself just kind of marathoning it, you know, on any get, uh, any given night. So, um, yeah, so green light for me. So, um, but again, 
sorry to mash um, one of the most beloved long-running shows of all time. You do not get episode two from us because um, only two out of five greenlit you. So um, th- that's the end of the road for you guys. Suck it, mash. I will say as a parting thing, though, and again, I don't dislike mash. I just don't like this episode. Uh, now I, I haven't seen it in so long, and this is always on to Gordo's point that I'm like, oh, if mash is on now, I feel I'm more inclined after this watching to be like, I'll, I'll watch mash. Yeah, I can see myself um watching a few. This seems like an easy um laying in bed show. What, the other thing, too, with this show, not to make this episode go on much longer than it has to, is each kind of episode is in its own little world. Like, you don't need... To, there's very few episodes that are to be continued. Yeah, The Office is set up the same way. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of lends Always itself. Always jump in, yeah. You can just jump in. It can play random episodes from random seasons, and it won't miss... You won't miss a beat. Yeah, you're not gonna have, like, an issue with the continuity on the story or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, um, just to wrap everything up, guys, s1e1pod.com. I really need to stress it more throughout the episode, but s1e1pod.com, that's where you can find all the links everywhere where you can give us a listen, everywhere to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, s1e1pod. Interact with us, give us a follow, spread the word, tell your friends about us. We do appreciate it a great deal. Um, always, uh, enjoy hearing from you guys when you reach out to us. We like hearing your ideas. So, uh, hit us up. But yeah, s1e1pod.com. Also, don't be afraid to leave a comment, um, on Apple. Uh, those are great for us too. We haven't gotten one of those in a little bit. So if, uh, someone can leave a nice review and, uh, kick up those stars, that, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, that's all, uh, we have for this week, guys. Thank you every week for listening to us. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, sorry that we had to cancel the military theme show we did for it, but, uh, that's it. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best ho, John. Hot dog. Go team.